Welcome to Sparks and Recreation, your source for info on community events, meta-analysis, and everything Hero Realms. Part of the Realms Rising Network. Heroes of the Realms, welcome back to your favorite bi-weekly, we keep a very rigid schedule, as you know, here in Sparks and Rec, a podcast on one of your favorite digital and paper-based deck-building games from Wise Wizard Games, Hero Realms. I am one of your hosts, Matthew Jigmalinka Rooks, uh, happy to be back as always. I'm especially excited, uh, giddy, if you will, because... Today, we have a special two-man crew. We have a dynamic duo, uh, star-crossed Hero Realms fanatics, if you will, who have come together to talk about uh, this game that we all love. Today, ladies and gentlemen, I am joined by Dave Birdlaw Logvin, one of the stalwarts of the community, one of the OGs, uh, and a legend, not only a legend, a multiple legend, in his own right. And that's something we're going to be talking about later today too. Um, Birdlaw, my friend, I think this is, you've, you've appeared on a previous podcast with Sam, which I think was an origins discussion you had. This is your first like real quote unquote visit to the Sparks and Rec headquarters to record a real podcast with us. Thank you for joining us today, my friend. Thanks so much, Matt. Great to be here. And yeah, this is my uh, first official appearance. The other one was just more of a bird on the street as Sammy pulled me in uh, hot off of his uh, PAX Unplugged win. PAX, that's right. It was PAX, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's it's long overdue, my friend. I mean, you're a busy guy. You've got, uh, you have, just to get in touch with you, I've got to get through at least, you know, three or four PR representatives who, you know, always stonewall me and to, you know, send me to your agent. So it's been, it, I had to work through your, your, you know, the machine you have around you, but we got you, you're here. Um, we have a lot, a lot of fun stuff to talk about. We're going to do a little bit of um, what would you do at first? Uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about life is a legend, legend play. Uh, behind from, the scenes. Behind the scenes from Birdlaw, who has such extensive experience and success at Legends Tournament. So that'll be a fun thing that we can talk about. After that, we're going to switch gears and talk about a real-life tavern brawl that you have in the mix, ready to go, backed officially. Well, I, okay, I, I'm not going to spill too much, but we've got a lot of things to talk about at your real-life event as well. Um, yes. And then we'll see how the conversation goes. Now, before we jump into the you know usual routine, though, Bird Law, um, as you know, the digital app has been going through lots of changes and updates and new content being released uh, recently. One of which is the level 16 uh, content being tested in Arena, both async, surprise, and real life. Uh, I just wanted to touch on this really quick with you. Have you been able to play any of this level 16 yet? I have been, and it's great to be able to see some of the future without having to contact our friend uh, Nostra Double Damas to be able to see the future. <laughs> and we are able to see that, and it is pretty exciting. Uh, we did mention uh, offline 
how great it is to see the async option is now mm. available. I actually never thought we would see that in Arena because we never saw that in Star Realms. So I just sort of assumed that's the way the coding is and that's the way they, they want to do the data and, and get the get the engagement. So that is pretty exciting, I think, for, for the heavy hitters, you know? Super awesome. And a huge hat tip to Joel, a.k.a. Oro, for his uh, endlessly hard work and listening to the community and taking our ideas and thoughts and stuff to Wise Wizards games and actually putting them into uh, practical uh, use, which is amazing. Yeah, I totally agree. The uh, async arena is so cool. You basically, all right, so just to give our listeners a quick overview on it, you can choose any of the heroes now, I think, Immediately yes. build your hero up to level 16, choosing you know, whatever tree you want, and then you start the arena. And then after you start the arena, you can either do a real-time game as normal or queue up some async games with that character, which is awesome. It's a great way to try out this level 16 stuff. You don't have to level anything up you know, the slow, normal way. You just it's not like a pit right fight. Yeah. yeah. So awesome. And it's a great way because they're opening it to all players or I think players who have at least the core set, I think is how it works. But um, it's been a lot of fun. Birdlaw, what have you played with so far in the arena? I have Which done, character? I've done fighter. I've done cleric and I've done druid. And I've enjoyed all three. The druid I especially like because there were more angry animals in there. Like there were the angry <laughs> foxes. I don't want to see like chickens or like fuzzy squirrels. I want to have the, you know, the uh, the polar bears and the and the real beastly creatures. So that I hundred percent appreciated. There were some more angry animals in there, not the adorable snow white critters. You know, totally. And it's the level. So I think these are the level fifteen upgrades that are really adding uh, a second, or I mean, a new level of content to the characters. And then right. also the abilities. The second ability is able to flesh out a little bit more as well, which is right. adding some fun strategy to things for sure so then you can get something beyond what would have just normally been like a level three ability right the uh correct it bumps yeah. up yep yeah. or yeah. yeah so and we can see kind of where this is going to with level 18 which is supposed to come out soon and then 20 22 24 we're gonna have a lot of fun ways to navigate and pilot these characters now so it's been a lot of fun to see i've played a little bit of uh, thief and monk okay. And Alchemist was, I think, the third one I've done. And I have enjoyed... Oh, I did one with Wizard, too, of course. The first one I okay. did, of course, was a Wizard. <laughs> uh, and the Wizard was the least underwhelming to me. I still went 6-1 and one with it, which means the Wizard is still you know, pretty strong. But the, the cat upgrades are probably maybe some of the weakest of the level 15 upgrades out there. Uh, so there's the fat in, cat, and what's the other cat? The fat cat, the content cat, and the wizened familiar, I think, is the other one. That gives you one... Uh, one gold, one health, and I think one damage, no matter what. Uh, but and it still has the two defense on it. So uh, yeah, it, it's fun. The thief gems that you can sacrifice to you know use to buy something and then get out of your deck really quickly, or, and or uh, make your opponent discard, or I think stun a champion is the other effect are really cool. Uh, what was the other one? The alchemist. Uh, alchemist is just very strong. The the Philosopher's Stone that gives you two factions instead of one is so strong, it's unbelievable. Does that um, replace one of the other stones, or is it an, yeah, an add-on? Yeah, they're, 
it replaces one of the other stones and makes it like a double stone. But you have to choose two different factions for it, but it's still incredibly, incredibly powerful. And what was the other one that I said I tried? The monk also is pretty bonkers right now. I think the the monk might be considered one of the top tier characters, I think. And I know the necromancer is as well. I've not played as the necromancer at level 16, but I've played against a lot of them. They're tough. Yeah. They come in hard and they come in with lots of skellies that you got to figure a way out, uh, figure a way to deal with. Otherwise you're in trouble quick. So nice. yeah, level 16 stuff is fun. Do you have, I mean, it, how did you do with your, with those three characters? Did you see any success with your runs? I did. I did. Uh, I definitely did well with, with fighter and cleric with the, so those OG classes and Druid, I was finding my way through, but I haven't played a lot of Druid recently. So that was kind of working my way back through, but the classes I knew, knew well, um, that went, that went fine. And I definitely enjoyed the fighter upgrades, which I thought needed a little bit of juice just to kind of. For sure. Now, did you go double ability, like max out your abilities for damage or did you get uh, hit points? How did you build your, I I went for hit points. Okay. I went right. for hit points, yeah. and just to yeah, make a, I, a titan, just to make a, a titan, a, ti- a titan, wall yeah. titan, yeah, yeah. And they are—it's very difficult to deal with fighters right now. You have to—you uh, really have to know what you're doing, aka heal as quickly and as much as you can. <laughs> otherwise, you're going to be dead. Uh, yeah, good stuff, man. All right, uh, and you know maybe we'll return to some of this later if, as we connect to other topics. But I just wanted to touch on this really quickly. That's All right, exciting well. Stuff. It is, man. There's so many exciting things happening at a, such a quick pace right now with the game. It's hard to keep up with everything, but that's and that's not a complaint. It's just uh, it's good to see a lot of development happening uh, right now with the game uh, after kind of a period where there wasn't as much in, in maybe in the first six months, eight months of the game. So they're really picking things up, which is great. Hundred yeah. percent. Cool. All right, man. Well, you know, we've got a lot to talk about. Let's segue right in to everybody's favorite segment that looks at possible uh, decision point situations in Hero Realms and then figures out what to do. That's right, everybody. What would you do? What would you say? you do here okay uh everybody unfortunately uh double dubs is still uh on a leave of absence which means i have the uh, duty of setting the stage and painting the picture of this what would you do scenario which was submitted by our own as awesome who is a also a great contributor and very strong player in the community and also by the way he has agreed to help make the future what would you do Image files, which will be a huge help to me. It's one less thing I have to do. So thanks, Ms. Awesome S, for that. Uh, let's paint the picture here, okay? We have a, uh, it looks like a vanilla game between- No heroes. Uh, no heroes, yeah. So it doesn't matter what the hero are. The heroes are. It's, a turn, it's on turn six. No, no heroes, vanilla game. Uh, and the current player is Awesome S, who's facing off against CCAA, another very uh, dangerous and highly skilled player. Um, As Osmas has eight gold to spend here, guys. And he's got a pretty nice row to look at. And I think that's why he made this into a, what would you do? Um, On the row, we have not one, but two orc grunts. That's right. It's an orc grunt jamboree. And we are invited, should we choose to do so. Uh, 
Um, there's an elven curse, or as uh, Birdlaw passionately refers to it, Alvin curse. He even uh, yes. we even have a uh, a meme for this on, on the server. Uh, we have firebomb, which is you know always hard to ignore. And then you know uh, finally sitting in, in in the corner of the market, we have cult priest. All right, so we have a bunch of three cost cards and one big dog, the firebomb at eight. Um, just to look at our enemies discard, they have a, it looks like rally the troops and the, uh, necros card. I, I can't read it right now, but it gives you three gold and it allows you when it factions with other necros, it lets you put a champion on top of your deck. In our deck, we've got the, uh, I think his name is Grok, the three cost necros champion who sacrifices. And we've also got the three cost. Uh, wild champion who lets you draw and then discard and uh, factions for three damage. My apologies for not knowing the names of these cards and the images are small on my computer screen right now, so I can't read. Uh, by the way, the image for this is available in the show notes and on the discord. Uh, it's great to look at it while you listen to this or after you listen to it, if you can. All right. I've set the stage here. Oh, by the way, the uh, hit points for each player is still at 50, right? Max hit points. It's still in the opening, I guess you could say, or the initial, or maybe the end of the opening, beginning of the mid-game, I guess you could say, with turn six. All right, I've set the stage here. Um, Birdlaw, let's go to you. What would you do in this situation? I looked at this, and when we come back, I will make a comment, because at my Legends game, I actually had a row where I had double orc grunts to pick up, and I did pick it up, and it actually ended up hurting me, but... We'll set that aside. Okay. Uh, we'll come back to that. But uh, I think in this particular situation for Vanilla, I will go Firebomb and then pick up the leftover lunch in the next turn because I've got Scrap and I have a card. I've got the Shaman who I can draw as needed to help prevent bottom decking the Firebomb. Yes. And I think basically that, that's what I want to avoid is just you know orphaning the Firebomb. I have a little bit of control my basic strategy is just to use firebomb and just spam the spam the card really really hard and grab whatever they leave for me because they're not going to they're going to leave me some other green card that will synergize well with the shaman at least one yeah and you know i yeah. think that, that that's a great way to put it right uh you can't, it's so hard to pass up firebomb if you have it it's it, early because you're going to get to play it at least two times at least. Yeah. And like you said, you already have uh, a sacrifice card and we have another card that helps us cycle. So we're going to, chances are we're probably going to see it at least twice, if not more. Um, okay. But and then I think, and by the way, I agree with you. I think you just got to jump with firebomb. Uh, there are, I mean, you could do a thought experiment. What if we go double orc grunt here and try to set up uh, some, get some extra uh, hit point soak from their, from their guard, three guard each. They're going to, pair up with the shaman, maybe get us some more draw. I mean, that's a, va a valid way to think about it. However, it, if our... Yeah. It, it is, but again, since this is a vanilla game, I, if I was playing Cleric, I would be much more tempted to mm. think about the Orc Grunt hard because I, then you could synergize it with the shaman and create a massive wall. I'd still be a little nervous because then I'm potentially letting my opponent use the bribe and maybe beat me to the... Um, firebomb eventually and and hit me but in a vanilla game i think the game is so early i'm gonna get to get two hits off of this at least 
and mm-hmm. and you have that control to be able to help watch your shuffles. I think you have to go firebomb in the vanilla game, but in a heroes game, if you're playing druid or bard or cleric, I would argue a little bit harder and and stop and scratch the beard a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, great point. Um, I, I think the other thing too, the really interesting thing about taking firebomb here is that it makes. Uh, champions much less attractive to your opponent as well, right? If you have firebomb, they're going to getting a guard up may not help them as much. So those orc grunts become a lot less attractive to them, which may mean they leave them for you, which is great news because now you have some uh, uh, guard walls up potentially that faction with your already green cards and uh, firebomb to keep plugging away at your opponent. Um, yeah, I, I think you kind of feel that that it, once you do that, the better move for them is to take the Alvin curse. And then leave those uh, the, the guards there for you, which again sort of plays into your hand because yeah. you're scaring them away with the firebomb with the auto stun. Totally, yeah. It it really seems like the uh, you're in a strong position here uh, just by the selection you have. We're getting firebomb first, of course, is a strong selection. But even if you bottom deck it, your opponent is going to have to face some tough decisions on what to do that might not be optimal. Right? They're going to start reacting to your play rather than kind of forming their own strategy, which is always getting your opponent on their heels is always a great thing to do if possible, you know? Um, yeah, great stuff. Uh, let's jump in. Well, you know what, before I jump into the, um, discord to see what everybody said here, Birdlaw, you mentioned in a legends, uh, tournament or important match you had where you did have yep. two orc grunts and it actually hurt you. Can you just elaborate on that a little bit? Before we go sure. Through? That was actually, in the uh, my, my most recent Legends tournament, I was the cleric playing versus a fighter. It's turn two. I have six gold. In the row are two orc grunts and a nature's bounty. Mm. I took the two orc grunts and and let the fighter grab the nature's bounty, and it came back to bite me. Yes. So a level three fighter. This is at level three, obviously. Yes, the the yep. Legends play happens. A level three fighter actually has a little more leeway and possibilities to go for econ uh, mm-hmm. play play lines, right? And if you get an early um, four gold card like Nature's Bounty and allow the fighter to buy some good cards, it could possibly come back to haunt you. And it sounds like that might it, have it been did. what happened. Yeah, so I lost my game one and then turned around and then played a little more conservative for games two and three and played a more a little classic game. But it, the orc grunts were sticking together. I was creating the wall. They were synergized. They were getting lots of draws. But it was a little bit of risky play to, to give the fighter the chance to get the nature's bounty. So that was just a, a little callback. I just wanted to mention, like, hey, I've seen those two orc grunts. And they, they can be tempting, but they can also uh, be a heartbreaker, too, when you give the fighter an opening to create what's normally a very starved economy yeah totally Uh, i will say this too i've had other games i'm not necessarily legends games but other games where you do line up two orc grunts early game and they can really swing games as well uh they can they get you some the draw they get you some damage soak and they're doing damage uh so i mean I've seen it work both ways too. I've seen the orc grunts line up and do some big lifting as well. So yeah. uh, anyway, yeah, very interesting anecdote. And it shows, it just goes to show too, like, like we just talked about with the fire bomb choice and how that's going to affect our opponent's choice. Always yeah. thinking about what you choose and what that leaves your opponent, what 
uh, avenues that might be opening up for them as well. That's part of the great, one of the beautiful parts of this game, I think, is the uh, how the decisions affect what comes next. Okay, um, just to jump very quickly into the Discord, uh, we have an overwhelming response here, guys. Basically, 100%, seven people voted for the firebomb here. So there's a pretty uh, strong consensus on this one. Uh, Sam Wise chimed in with a pretty uh, funny uh, comment here. Part step one, firebomb or risk your opponent getting it. Now, I don't think they could get it next turn. I think the maximum they could get is, no, they could possibly get it next turn if they line up uh, the bribe. strong gold cards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, they could possibly get it. That's right. Uh, step two, he says, pick up what green cards are left next turn, which is basically what Birdlaw just said. You know, pick up the scraps. It's going to be good no matter what. And then step three, click the well-played emoji because <laughs> it looks pretty bad. Yeah, you know, Samwise is basically saying the same thing. This is a pretty strong uh, position to be in. And unless something breaks really well for CCAA, uh, he's probably in trouble here. Hopefully we can get as awesome as to chime in later with what happened in the game. But I'm guessing, you know, the ch- if we were doing probabilities, he probably has, a, you know, a nice 70% chance at least of winning this game, I, I would put it at. And that's just off the top of my head. Do not uh, please use calculators to confirm any of this. <laughs> um, all right. I think that's pretty good for what would you do here. Do you have any final thoughts, Birdlaw, before we step, step into the next segment? Um, just wondering when Jig we might see a what would Jig do with some of the name games lately. We haven't have we seen any of those lately or any you want to share with the community? Not off the top of my head, but you know, full disclosure, I have not been able to play that much recently. And uh, what time I do have to play the game, I've been playing with the arena uh, async stuff, and usually those are pre-generated names, I think, or most yep. at least I do it so. Unfortunately, I've been lagging on my what would Jig name uh, uh, WWJD. Yeah. What would Jig Jig do? But you know, Birdlaw, you're also a fellow uh, interesting name connoisseur. And uh, we always love to find clever names and and, and fun uh, wordplay that we see in different characters. And don't worry, it's it's not like I've forgotten about it, it just hasn't happened recently. All right. Well, I have one to share. I have created a new elf fighter named Elfron Hubbard. So that's one of my new ones. So you may see him trying to prove that elf fighters are good, which I actually don't think elf fighters are good, but I'm I'm still trying anyway. Um, elf Ron Hubbard, interesting. Now, is he a level? Is he an operating level four Thetan, or is he still uh, working his way up? Don't answer that. That's a bad. Uh, okay. bad, bad joke. <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate uh, that one, but uh. oh, dude, I yeah, never, I'll never pass up a Scientology joke where I can get one. Out. There we go. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, all right. Without further ado, guys, let's continue on and head into Legend Life with Bird Law. Okay, everybody, moving right along here. Uh, let's step into the next segment. I'm going to, I'm on the fly here. I'm just kind of ad libbing different possible titles for this one. How about Life as a Legend with Bird Law? That has a kind of a better ring to it. Life as a Legend with Bird Law. Um, this is a segment that we're just going to talk a little bit about um, a summary of Bird Law's extensive legends activities, including some recent highlights. So, I mean, maybe not just recent, but maybe we'll start with some recent highlights and talk about some things he's done in the past. Maybe get some advice 
from one of our most successful legends on uh, things to think about when playing in real life, playing in a legends tournament setting at level three, things to look for, uh, and anything else that come that might come up during the discussion. All right. So here we are. Life is a legend. Uh, Bird Law, let's just start out. Why don't you give us like a summary of some activities? Now, okay, let's do Okay, first let's do it. For someone who may not be familiar, I'm assuming most of the people listening are, but for maybe some new listeners, let's give a little uh, background information. First, how many Legends tournaments have you participated in? And how many Legends tournaments have you actually won? Let's start there. That's a good question. I must have... So I have three Hero Realms Legends wins. And one Star Realms Legends win. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2023, I also uh, had a top eight at Gen Con for Hero Realms as I battled Agent Seto as he was chasing his triple legend. So that was uh, pretty exciting. I probably have somewhere at least, I've been at least eight top eights or top fours. It might be higher. Wow. And so, out of those uh, eight times, you've won three of them, which is I've won, yeah, pretty cray cray. I mean, that is a, that is really an amazing uh, uh, win percent. Or, I mean, success story of success for what is really tough, tough field to play. You know, and we've talked about this before, and you can you can chime in as well with your thoughts. But legends play is not only playing well because you're playing against some really good players. But it's also getting a little bit lucky as well and, and figuring out how to mitigate bad luck and how to you know, survive and just keep the things going. It's, it's not easy to do this stuff. You need to, be, you need to have a little bit of luck on your side too, don't you, Birdlaw? You, you do, yeah. You definitely have to, have, you have to do a little bit of praying to r and Jesus for sure. And you have to just go <laughs> in with, with a solid strategy because you're, you're playing two different games. There's the Swiss rounds and then everything changes. So that's you're, you're playing two two different sets of, of games and two different protocols, and you've got some players who are very good at playing with the character packs and who are going to struggle uh, in doing the the new heroes round. So you just have to kind of go in there and be prepared to kind of grind your way through. Um, to be honest, I made my I gave myself a, a, a really bad handicap in the opening round. I went four and one, but I lost my first game which actually immediately pushes you into the loser's bracket. It makes it much harder to try to work your way up. Not that you can say you need to win your game one, but you need to win your game one to be able to kind of help your strength of schedule. But I did not help myself with that. Um, but that's just the way life goes sometimes. You don't always have things going as you as you hope. Nope, that's why we play the games too, uh, to figure out what happens. Because even though you want that first win, that it's not guaranteed to happen. And even if you play perfectly, even if you don't make any mistakes, you're still not guaranteed to win, right? I think uh, it's definitely true for the level three characters, but even more so, I think, for vanilla play. And we can talk a little bit about the uh, about the differences between you know the no the no heroes play and then the level three characters play, and different you know subtle differences you have to think of. Of course, there's big differences, but um, we'll talk about some of that too later when we go to into the advice for a legend. Sure, part sure. of this discussion. But first, before we get there, let's keep talking about kind of the, your history and your uh, maybe some stories and some highlights that you have. Uh, so you've been to eight different, at least eight different. At, at least, the, at least. Yeah. But at I, least. I've done a, but I'm a top eight. Yeah. So I, and I've right. been at, you know, um, 
was it the Origins with the 5K, which was a huge community uh, out, mm-hmm. outreach when we had that. I've uh, been to Star Realms with a 10K. Um, that was a pretty fun one when I went on Twitter and I looked and said, oh, I wonder who qualified for the 10K tournament. And I found my name listed. So I was already pre-qualified for the 10K. I'm like, all right, I guess I have to go to Ohio. And Wise <laughs> Wizards was, was giving everybody free tickets for the uh, con too. Oh, so nice. all I had to do was get myself there. Show up. Um, but that was a, that was a tough one. Uh, I think we had forty five of the best players in the world, and I went four and two, but then lost on tiebreakers because just four and two was not a guarantee into a, a top eight when you've got that many uh, killers. That many in the people, for sure. you know I mean, yeah. So you have to play yeah. a little bit stronger in the in the Swiss rounds to get get through. You know, yeah. When you've got yeah. a six round Swiss, um, but if you kind of go back, something if we could maybe circle around to this too. But like my very first uh, big con I ever went to was the Wise Users Game Fair in 2016. And that was the first time I'd played in like a competitive card game tournament, not just, you know, something at my local store. And when I went to that, that was where I met Androser. And, you know, you had people like Darklighter, Agent Seto, Silent Owl, all these people were all gathered at one place and how we had to sort of like, that was the, the big bang where all these people met. And went from just being maybe a Facebook group or an online group, a board game geek, to actually meeting in person. And so that was the big thing. And uh, at how, I, how I met, you know, Ann Roser made a lot of friends, you know, good friends now that I still have years later. So that's what's pretty exciting, how you can play a game. You're just sitting there playing on your phone and flash forward years later. And now these are some of your, your closest friends, you know. Sure. And, and the community that has sprung up around it too. Let's not, let's not forget that huge shout yeah. out by the way, to the pod father and Roser who, you know, uh, started a lot of the online activities and community that we're seeing now, uh, especially the discord server, which he actually started himself and the original podcast realms rising, not to mention the realms rising, uh, uh website as well. So yeah, it's in, the people behind it, the people you meet, uh, whether in real life or online or through the communities, that's what keeps a lot of us engaged with this wonderful game as well. So yeah, it's got a great hook, but it's got a great uh, way of keeping you involved as well. So yeah, awesome stuff. Um, okay. Uh, by the way, I, before we can start jumping into some of maybe your uh, highlights and stories with, uh, from your, your life as a legend, mm-hmm. uh, I do want to mention, you mentioned briefly, you're also a star realms legend, which makes yes. you uh, one of the few people on earth who is a quote unquote realms walker a person who has won a Legends tournament in both Star Realms and Hero Realms. Uh, off the top of my head, I know it's you, Dusto. Uh, is Agent Seto? Yes. Yeah. Is it just you three, or am I missing somebody? Those are the three that I know of. Uh, what are, uh, those are I'm the three sure that are jumping on me. I'll confirm yeah. with Tim. Tim knows this stuff better than most people. And he also has a spreadsheet that keeps track, not of the star realms, but I, I think he knows who are the, the realms walkers are. But anyways, it's a huge accomplishment. Not many people who have done it and you're one of them, my friend. So awesome. Pat yourself on the back for, for, you. for that achievement for sure. All right. Um, I know you've got some stories, some highlights to talk about. Maybe we can start out with your most recent success, uh, which was at, uh, Pax U, correct? Yes, exactly. Okay. All right. So, uh, which, by the way, spoiler alert, he won again. This no. was his third <laughs> his third Legends win. 
uh, which means he's going to have three cards, at least three cards with his likeness in this game eventually, which is something I'm just a tad jealous of, my friend, if I'm being honest. All right. Uh, let's talk about your, your PAX U event. Maybe just give us a brief overview or some interesting highlights or stories of that happened at the event. Sure. So just to give uh, some background, I was registered for both Star Realms and Hero Realms Legends. Hero Realms at PAX Unplugged had 41 players registered. Hero Realms had 25 Okay, just to kind of show the the balance for what we see for community engagement. Long story short, in Star Realms, I went three and three, did not make the cut, so that was not that was not good enough. On Hero Realms, I went four and one, and I told you I lost my opening round one, which is definitely puts you into that losers mm-hmm. bracket and puts a little pressure on you then to try to turn it around. What was interesting was in that round one was the only game that went to time was my game. And so in other words, like clock was called and then we went in and and then it would be like, finish your turn and then three more turns back and forth to see what would happen and high score wins for high, highest health total wins. What was very painful was in that game versus my opponent, his name was Chris Northwood, great player. um, We were in a race for domination and he beat me to domination early, early, Mm -hmm. early in the game. And that puts a lot of pressure on you. Um, So I, so what I did was I, I got hold of command. I got hold of other Imperial cards. I built a crazy base wall and I managed to stretch the game out so that 35 minutes later, he still wasn't able to knock me out and they had to call time on us. And I still had a chance almost to knock him out if I had just been able to draw a little bit better. So as losses go, it was still pretty good to be able to have somebody get an early domination and not let them run away with it. And they were in danger of losing the game. So that was, you know, that was the pressure on me and, and the fact that all the other players were done and we were still playing 35 minutes later, no heroes. And it was just back and forth as we were going in a, in a heel war between us. Nice. And was that, that was the first game out of you? That was my first game in Swiss. Okay. And yeah. I lost wow. that. And yeah. it was yeah. go, also go, going to time. So that, yeah. that, that was my only loss during the Swiss rounds. My next opponent was actually, uh, was Marauder Mo. And I got double rot early and, Ooh. and that just put the pressure on him. And that was uh, a runaway at that point. That's a hard I mean, one to come back from. Yeah. I mean, he picked up life drain and he was, Mo is a great player, but just an, an, an two early rots in vanilla is a very tough uh, hammer to drop on somebody. Yeah. Maybe one of the worst, to be honest, in vanilla, if we're talking about, cause that scrap early scrap goes a real, real long way. Um, interesting. And, and just to rewind quickly, that first loss you said, you're right. It was a, it was a loss, but almost a moral victory that you were able to take such a, uh, a strong start from your opponent and still drag it out and lose that way. That can even give you a little momentum and confidence moving in the next game, um, which is yeah. I, I, I felt like I managed to pull that, you know, and and make it. There was a chance where I actually could have scored lethal on him. And then it was just back and forth as we were going. There were limited, there were a finite number of turns. So like this is turn zero and then three more turns back and forth. Highest health total will get the win. Or um, if, if it's tied, then, um, then it was, I think, whoever went second would get the win, I think. I'd have to look and see how they were doing that if you still had a, a tie. Okay. Good stuff. All right, so keep keep walking us. What happened on uh, next? So you 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 defeat uh, Marauder Mo. Who's who's yeah. next on your docket? 
Um, next, I had a, a, a new player that was not in the community, and uh, that was a, a pretty, more of a straightforward win. So there was not as much colorful uh, antics going on. But my mm-hmm. uh, my round four opponent, his name was Garrick. And, uh, and that just started something like, I'm like, that kind of sounds like Varric. You know, like I just <laughs> said that to the guy. Like, he's like, oh, he's like, this, the guy sitting across from me was wearing like dress pants, a dress shirt, and like a, a vest. So he looked like he just came from like a wedding party. So he was dressed like very sharply. He goes, oh, yeah. He's like, I was actually the model for Varric the Necromancer. And I was like, you were, you were the model for those abs? And then somebody like further down the row heard me say that. They're like, Dave's playing against the model for Varric. <laughs> <laughs> this was not true. This was just us BSing. But the fact that I just like said it out loud and somebody else just overheard me. Just, and then I go, is that true? He's like, He's like, no. I removed this vest. I'm all, I'm, I'm a soft, I'm a soft body. But <laughs> wearing the, you know, the the dress, the suit, the vest, he fooled me because he had a nice V shape going on. He was a fit guy, so he convinced me that he was the uh, male model for Varric the Necromancer. But his his real name was Garrick, uh, like Derek, okay. but with a G. So that was a uh, pretty colorful. Pretty colorful. And, you know, a nice psychological warfare, t- too. You know, you think you're sitting across from the real Varric, and you, you're going to start to question yourself a little bit in, in this game. Yeah, but obviously, my abs don't keep up with his abs. So it's like- <laughs> Not, no one does. No one yes. does. Come on. I mean, that's a hard, that's a high bar to, to compare yourself to. Uh, but, as, I mean, we all know you went a four and one after after that in the Swiss. So you must have won that match as well. The Varric. I, uh, I, I did win that one. And then, uh, and I and I won my my fifth and final one. So that actually put me into the. I finished second, so it was me, Horgel, and then a, a new player that I didn't know, uh, Christina. I don't remember her last name. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Androser made the uh, got the eighth position. He won on tiebreakers, and Marauder Mo finished in ninth place. So that was right below that. that was, yeah, yeah. So that was he was just right on the edge. Pretty cool, though. That's at least three names, though, from the uh, Realms Rising community that are in that top eight, it sounds like, right? Yeah. Was it top four? No, it was top top eight. eight. It was top eight because we had 25 players, so we could do a top eight. And here's something else that's sort of fun in here, that um, one of the players in there um, who was also in the top eight has specifically come to PAX Unplugged to defeat me, which, which felt pretty awesome. So this is pretty interesting. See, now we're getting into dangerous territory. Your infamy is spreading across the nation and drawing yeah. in uh, assassins to come and take you out in these uh, tournaments, Birdlaw. You're famous. Yeah, so th- this has a, a really great a long backstory. So uh, I used to go, going to PAX East years ago with my son, we had a neighbor who worked for Warner Brothers uh, as an animator, and he would just give us free tickets to PAX East. So we would go, and I started playing in the Star Realms tournaments there, which had nothing to do with Wise Wizards. This was just like you can go and play like Ticket to Ride or Catan, and like 32 people would just show up and play Star Realms and just jam the games. It has nothing to do with Rob and Debbie and Darwin. It was just, it was just 32 people who want to play Star Realms. I would play those tournaments, and I would do really well. Like I, I won a year, and then the next year I'd won. And there was a young player who was super good. He was a teenager at the time, and uh, or maybe he was only like twelve or something. And he was super good, but I kept beating him. But um, he was awesome. 
So this, so now fast forward, and this same person, the same kid who I had beaten, he showed up, and now he's looking at colleges in Philly, and his he's there with his family, and he's like, his dad comes up to me, he's like, oh, he's like, I want to come and play. And he's like, my son Andy wants to play in the Legends tournament. He wants to win. He goes that he wants to be the youngest Legends player, and he wants to beat you doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like that's kind of the backstory that I have. Some this, this young person, and he's like, I want to be the youngest Legends player, and I want to beat Dave while I'm doing it. So that was like the uh, the behind the scenes story, which is pretty neat. That is not only pretty neat, and you know, almost like an in honor in itself, you know, that you have yep. that, but also a little nerve wracking if you've got this young. Ambitious, young gun, <laughs> young gun whippersnapper out to get you in your sights, man. That's got a that's a little nerve wracking too. Uh, why don't you walk us? But did, and you actually played this this player. This player actually he made the top eight and he made the finals. To he was actually my opponent in Hero <laughs> Realms. <laughs> so that's what's great. And also fast forward the day before, he went six and zero in the Star Realms Legends. And then he came up to me. He's like, well, you didn't make the cut. He's like, I came here to beat you in Star Realms, and you didn't make the cut. I'm like, <laughs> so he, literally, he made the top eight in Star Realms, and then he made the top eight in Hero Realms Legends, and he was coming right at me. And that was was pretty great. The fact that you know his dad's coming up to me going, oh, he's been practicing and getting ready. And uh, so that was uh, was pretty funny and, and really impressive to see like the next generation of, of uh, Realms players coming up. That's great. Do you know, is that player on the digital app at all? Do you know? Were you able to check any of that? I I know what he is in uh, in Challenge. I know his real name. Uh, okay. But I don't. But not his I IGN. Yeah. I wouldn't ask you. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 it's also a young person. So I won't. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. No, I'm just uh, interested in like any digit. If we could meet this player in the digital round too, that'd be pretty cool. But uh, yeah. yeah. But the fact cool that he story. did a six and zero in Swiss and Star Realms, and then made the top eight in, in both. Um, what was funny was that he came up to me and he's like, he was a very experienced Star Realms player, but he was not an experienced Hero Realms player. So he's like, I've never played with the character packs. What do I do? I just said, Well, just take, just play Fighter. It's easy. He looks at me, and goes, I don't want to do something easy. He's like, I want to do something with style. Like I want to win, and I want. He's like, I want to beat you, and I want to play like a, a great character. It's like, okay. So he picked Ranger, which is not the easiest one to play. No, if you, but strong if you, too. It can, yeah, but a strong, yeah, a strong option. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I thought that was interesting. But I just liked the wow. the flex and the style. That he's like, okay, I don't want to play something easy. I want to play something that's challenging, and just and map it out. And um, so cool. that was an interesting behind the scenes. Yeah, and and you picked cleric right for your character for this one. Yeah, and here I was trying to metagame this, and I looked at the field and I said, oh, well, if I pick Cleric, I will likely face two, maybe two fighters on my road to, you know, to head to the finals. And I also sort of miscalculated the rankings. I didn't look closely at the rankings and who I was going to face in the right order. So I was right. My, my, my quarterfinals player was a fighter. But my semifinals player was actually the only person who beat me in Swiss, and he was playing Wizard. Mm. So, um, so you know, just looking at the game, saying now I'm facing the one person who gave me my only loss for the day um, in the Swiss rounds. So I had one loss in Swiss, 
and I had one loss in uh, in the top eight versus Zembu's brother. But uh, right. yeah, okay. So those are my. But I definitely miscalculated in what people were going to pick and the order in which because you you sh- if you look at the rankings you know who you're likely going to play, and right. I got a little mixed up with um, who was going to be in and uh, and maybe I didn't look carefully uh, well, for the bracket. Dave, you you won the tournament. Yes. So I, think we can, I think we can say you did all right. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now uh, let's keep going a little bit here. And I think this is a nice segue into maybe some advice that you have. What are some things that you saw? Now you mentioned like the matchups, thinking about choosing the best character that's going to give you the best matchups maybe is one thing to think about. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. there's some other advice that, that you can give us both for um, uh, vanilla play in the Swiss rounds and then at for level three legends uh, tournaments as well. Uh, I, there's a lot of places you could go, lots of advice you can give. We don't have to give an exhaustive, you know, uh, legends orientation here. But what are some, uh, a few points that you can give, maybe for the vanilla level and for the uh, level three characters level that would be good for the people listening uh, who are might, maybe thinking about joining a tournament in the future? Well, I think the general thing we've, we've you've talked about on the pod before are play slowly don't rush even if you have an opponent who plays fast because sometimes you'll encounter an opponent who plays very quickly and there's no reason for you to adjust your play speed to match theirs the only exception i would say is if there's a if there's a time element and you're just trying to make sure mm-hmm. you have enough time to be able to finish the game and not end up with tiebreakers but Definitely play your game and play at the speed that you're comfortable at so that you're playing your best game. Um, That's great advice. And let me just jump in here too. I think also like if you're playing against a fighter, they might not have that much to think about. Maybe their turns will be a little shorter and simpler. If you're mm-hmm. playing something like a cleric or a ranger or a wizard, you're going to have to think out a little bit more. You're not going to be able to play at the same speed as that fighter, nor should you try to. So I think that's great advice, Dave. Yeah. Keep going. What else do you got? Um, I'd say another thing that that's a new piece of advice that I've never given before. It's this. It's the psychometrics of your opponent, because in other it. words, like what's different is I started to realize, or only just this year, is when you have the. If I play against somebody I know, then I am. I know what I'm in for. If I play against you, I know all the crazy tricks you're going to throw at me with the wizard play. But what happens if you play against a person who you've never met? What can you get? And so you have body language is one. But I've also found sometimes people with the back and forth banter, many people do this as you're playing. They're actually doing like a card tier ranking. In other words, cards are coming up in the row and the card will flip. They're like, that's the best card in the game. Or that's the second best card in the game. And by doing that, the person is actually giving me an insight into how they analyze and value cards. I love and it. Actually, it's like a, it's really almost a poker. Yeah, it's reading your opponent a little bit, or just listening to them. Not even reading them, listening to them, and uh, using that to your own advantage, or thinking about how that affects their own play. Yeah. Yeah. So that actually has helped me, and just saying, like, you know, can I leave this card in the row? But now I can kind of like get a value of like how much of a control player they are, 
how aggro they are by by them actually going through and they're actually narrating the game and saying that's the you know the most you know the best value card in the game and they're just like kind of like excited by the game but i'm internalizing that information and using that as i try to develop and find counterplays so that's something like a new skill that i don't think i had maybe a year or two years ago but i've noticed that a lot of players more than you expect do that whereas the the stone cold killers give you very little information um very little information right Um, yeah and not only just like how they evaluate cards but you you mentioned body language you know if they let out a long if they draw their hand and let out a lost sigh or look a little dejected or you know they look excited for their next turn that a it could be a bluff i mean a really smart player might try to bluff but probably not uh that can also give you some tells or in, in poker we call it a tell or something like that yeah do you ever uh find instances like that that give you a little edge in games i do i do um and again you definitely can can sort of you know there there are some good things on how much you look at your cards versus just kind of because uh, again to to not actually even give yourself that information um, if you're worried that your poker face is not as good mm. as it could be or just yeah. do a quick look and just again it depends on what sort of like facial expressions that you have um, so it's, sometimes it's good to not look at your pre-evaluate your hand so much so you don't if you have a risk of that um broadcasting that information out but i mean i had a game versus agent seto where i could not clear his row of champions and i looked at it and i looked at it i looked at it and finally i said i go well i think this is the best one i can do and then I, I click my move, and afterwards he goes, it was the only move you could do. In other words, like, so, but it was very, because that was like the most information Ian was going to give me. Uh, he's like, but it was, uh, it was one of those painful things when someone has a row, a wall of champions that you can't break through, and you're like, what am I going to leave? Yeah. Um, and I went through it, I looked at it, I looked at it, and I finally, I, 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 you know, I solved the, the riddle as best I could. So that's just telling you the flip side of the people who will broadcast as little information as possible uh, for the the high-level players. That's fantastic. And this is really great to talk about because most, if not all, of this stuff is completely removed when you're playing the digital version of the game. And you're not communicating with the person you're playing against. You have no idea what they're thinking, what they're doing, and you kind of lose that aspect. This is something that's available to you, though, in real-life games or in Legend tournaments where the person's sitting across for you. Don't overlook the information or the you know, different tells or signs you can get from your opponent. I think that's great, great advice, Dave. Um, before we go on, you, I think we're going to talk a, possibly very quickly about maybe some rules and formats changes to the Legends theory, series. Before that, though, yeah. if, you could give, if you could give just one advice for vanilla play, for players playing with no heroes at all, what would that advice be? Don't spend all your gold. <laughs> there, there's okay, too so, many. <laughs> don't don't overbuy. Okay, all right. Don't don't buy stuff if you don't need to. I think is is yeah. is that right? A good interpretation yeah, yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't feel like you have to spend everything. Yeah, that's a great. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to leave the row as it is as well, right? It, you. Exactly, for what you could flip. Yep. Yeah, totally. Great advice. All right, that's good stuff. Um, okay, finally here, Dave, uh, let's talk about possible, or not possible, but some rules and format changes that happened recently with the Legends. 
Yeah. So there were some changes that I saw, like, for example, at Gen Con, when I was in the top eight in 2023, we saw they instituted um, a hard 90-minute clock. So in other words, when you had to play your best of three series, you had 90 minutes to complete all three games. Mm -hmm. And I think you can blame Double Dubs for this rules change, (laughs) right? (laughs) And partially me, because I had a long cleric. Uh, series earlier that year as well. And I think they were trying to avoid those epically long cleric games. So that was something that was very different. So then fast forward to PAX Unplugged, they removed the, the clock and said unlimited time. Okay. And they kept the health cap, but they instituted very hard app rules. And this is what, what threw me off because normally I would play it the normal way. Like let's say you're play if you played your arrows before your bow, you wouldn't draw in a paper game. If you went if you went arrow, arrow, bow, no draw. So this happens, so I'm playing against my opponent versus the wizard. And the first thing he does is he plays his staff. And I just stopped him. I said, you realize if you're playing this, you're not going to get to draw because you went you played the staff before the actions. So we called over a judge and the judge said, no, we're going to play it app rules. I said, okay. <laughs> I said, all right, so that's fine. Cause that's not what we had typically been doing at legend mm-hmm. series. I said, what happens if I play a recruit and then play a champion and they go, you will get the health gain. And I said that I was not expected because mm-hmm. That's not what we would typically do in a paper game. In other words, a paper mm-hmm. game would be you'd have to you'd only get the recruit for the champs on the board, not the champs you played afterwards. So mm-hmm. I did talk to the judges, and they mm-hmm. are going to eventually publish some some rules clarifications because right now there's a kind of a funny area between app and paper happening, um, and that's something like I like to have that control. So like the only class I feel like you have the control still is the fighter because you could deal your damage to stop yourself from drawing with the throwing axe. Yep. That's the only one. But the other ones are just saying you're you can't stop drawing if you if you played the bows or the uh, the staff. And mm-hmm. I find I would say it's probably only affects about five percent of games. But those are those micro edges that I like to have to control the deck flips. Totally. Oh. That's not only it's a not even micro. That's a massive uh, thing yeah. that if you lose can really affect how you play for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, how many games do you think actually win right. or no. are, are changed in that? That's I'm saying in aggregate, right? Um, not that many, but when it does come into play, it can be a massive change in, or swing. It can actually be a really big uh, effect that happens in that game when it happens. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, yeah. I like, think you, like you mentioned, was, flipping your deck or shuffling or controlling that or not controlling it—that's a huge difference for sure. Yeah. So that's the other thing that just sort of um, one other thing I think maybe other players don't, uh, newer players don't think about is the fact that you can control your shuffles by not playing cards. So you don't have to play all your cards too. Mm-hmm. So not only does say don't spend all your gold. Sometimes don't play that last card that's going to trigger the draw, but. Um, I do that frequently in digital for sure. Yeah. And it's a good thing to remember in real life. Yeah. yeah, And paper, sometimes people will just like to say, Oh, I have five cards. I have to play all the five cards. I'm like, you don't have to do that. You could just discard that card. Yep. Yeah. All right. Great advice. And really interesting to hear about the rules changes and how they're starting to get, it sounds like, you know, um, shift closer to the app in terms of how they're played in the actual legends. All right. Uh, This is great talk. You know, we, I think I had, 
envision maybe 10, 15 minutes talking about legend life as a legend with Dave. And we're already, as we do here on Sparks and Rec, we, we, we like to drag things down. We bird walk a little bit, but when you're with the bird law, you're going to be doing a little bird walking. I'm guessing. Um, let's keep it rolling guys. We're going to jump into our next segment. Maybe the main focus, the main event, the highlights of the episode where bird law is going to talk about his in real life tavern. Bro. Okay, everybody, here we are. Uh, as I mentioned, as I just teased in the, at the end of the last segment, Birdlaw has plans, not only plans, but he's already putting plans into reality to bring Tavern Brawl to real life. All right, he's going to do a real life Tavern Brawl. And Birdlaw, I'm just going to throw, I'm going to give the floor to you. Give us an overview. Give, tell us what you've got uh, in store. Uh, and tell us also what kind of support or other uh, external influences might be involved with this as well. Thanks, Jig. So um, bringing to the table, literally the IRL tavern brawls for the first time. So I love tavern brawls and I always like anything with a bracket. So if you've got a March madness, anything with a bracket, I'm interested. And what we're going to do is anything with a tavern. And I'm everything with a tavern. Yeah, there we go. All right. So hundred <laughs> percent. So you, you, you're, you're reading my mind. You're on my wavelength here, my friend. Um, so I have envisioned a way to do a, like I mentioned speed dating, but as tavern brawls. So we're going to be able to play an entire season of tavern brawls in just four hours to accelerate this. We're going to do small teams. So a, a team will be a, a mini mercenary band of three heroes the same the the OG classes and you can't repeat any classes so you can't go in three fighters or three rangers you have to have three unique classes we will start at level 3 we will play four swiss rounds all just best of ones because again we only have 4 hours total including forming our teams and a role playing element believe it or not and then finally at the very end, there'll be a uh, the top two teams will battle, and it'll be a best of one. Or if we have table time, we'll do best of three for those uh, for those matchups. But again, you're going to play just the way we normally do, starting at level three, because it's not fun starting at level one. And then each round, you will level up your character. But in between each round, there will be a special role playing element that I've created. And not only that, Wise Wizards is supporting this event with play support hopefully play mats, as well as they're going to send to me six displays of characters, which means I'll have 72 character packs ready. So um, I have anybody can be any character they want, and we're going to cap the event at 18 players. So I'm pushing really hard for February 3rd, 2024, uh, the day after Groundhog Day in beautiful Warwick, Rhode Island. We're going to have the world's first tavern brawls IRL at the uh, Crown Plaza Hotel. Awesome. All right. Now, just to pause here really quick, all of the information Birdlaw just gave you is going to be both in the show notes uh, attached to this podcast. It'll be on the corresponding uh, episode 48 uh, webpage on Realms Rising. We'll, we're going to disseminate this information ev- everywhere. And I assume there's going to be a, a sign-up link or some sort of link that people can look at to get more info. Yep. 
Okay. There's, there's a sign-up link. There's a, you can sign up for the con. You can you reserve your ticket. The rules are basically the same, um, except for the it's a shorter season than a normal tavern brawls. But everything else is basically the same. And we're playing with the, just the core set and uh, starting with level three character packs and then leveling up each round. It's going to be awesome. Is there an entry fee for the event? You have to buy a ticket for the event, uh, so, uh, which is $8.00. And you have to have a pass for the uh, convention. Okay, there you go. Sounds very reasonable to me. And man, I wish I lived uh, several thousand miles closer to uh, to Rhode Island to, to join it. Um, this sounds awesome, man. And the fact that you've got some wise wizard game support as well is super exciting. We are bringing the tavern brawls to real life here through this activity. Sounds so awesome. Um, what in, what more information can you give on this? Or is there any uh, any other details or any other appeal points you want to talk about here? Sure. So what's also unique is I'm bringing back the role playing element, and and the way I'm doing that is that um, each round there's a little bit of a story, and it's kind of think of like so there's a campaign, and so what your and your group. So each pod of three will choose what they're doing in the story. And that choice will determine, will modify some of the upgrades and the treasures that their party can choose from. So, for example, like let's say your group says, oh, we're going to visit the uh, the alchemist. That means that one of the treasures you can get is a healing potion. Or, for example, maybe you got into a street fight in an alleyway. Then you guys can pick up this rusty sword. Maybe it's a magical sword. Maybe it's just a really terrible sword. So there are going to be some slight tweaks to some of the treasure upgrades. Um, and even so I'll just let you digest that for a second yeah all right so you're going to have the normal character upgrades plus some extra like bonus role playing based upgrades as well yes wow I love it so are are these are going to be like custom made cards or are they going to be existing cards that you shoehorn in here somehow there are going to be some custom cards that I'm adding in and you've seen me make custom cards before. So. Oh, I have. Oh, I have, my friend. And, I, and I've loved all of them. Uh, wow, this sounds more and more interesting uh, the more I hear about it. And, so, and it really places important on the role-playing aspect and the decisions you make because that's going to affect what goes into your deck. That's, yeah, that's awesome. And, and I can – so just think about it. So there's going to be potentially as many as six parties – sort of exploring this world. And I'll also tell you that the main villain is actually the same villain we used in season two in, sorry, uh, of Tavern Brawls, which was Captain Heinrich. Captain mm-hmm. Heinrich was supposed to be the big villain, but Double Dubs actually created a better villain than we could create. So we didn't really use Captain So Dubs created Dragovar, who was this really terrible uh terrible character he's better than any villain we could come up with so we have this other villain that we created but we didn't really use him very much so that becomes the villain in this story because i have this whole sort of world built around this river pirate captain heinrich captain heinrich so if you go back and read some of captain heinrich was actually supposed to become the brawl master in the tavern brawls and it never happened so instead, like, Dragovar flooded the tunnels and Captain Heinrich just fled and we never sort of found him. So that kind of like this whole story that that uh, Esfreak and I created was never used. I'm resurrecting that story and repurposing it. Um, and the other thing that's really fun is Captain Khan 
the main thing of Captain Khan is there are people cosplaying as pirates. So as, as you're playing, there'll be pirates walking through the whole exhibit hall all the time. Uh, awesome. I wish we had watery graves because then it would be really great. Say, if, if I was going to say, graves, <laughs> is it too late to add watery graves? <laughs> but uh, it, Birdlaw, this sounds amazing. And uh, you specifically, uh, just to uh, um, give a, this isn't a disclaimer, but just to p- give you a peek behind the curtain, Dave didn't tell me any of the details behind this. I only knew it was a uh, in real life tavern brawl event. I didn't know really some of the details behind it, but hearing about this now makes me really giddy about this. Uh, I really wish you great success with it. Hopefully this will be something we can uh, duplicate in some form. Even like, man, just the idea of, yeah, I, I, lots of ideas are flashing through my head right now about how to uh, see see how this goes in the future. It sounds really, really great. Um, are there any other points here, Birdlaw, that you want to cover for the uh, Tavern Brawl event? Pump the hype up a little uh, bit? I, I, I will add a few more things, but there is a potential way that people who can't attend can still help me. And one of the things is if I have extra promos that I will let people at the physical event challenge community members and the community members will play a character called Captain Heinrich. And if you can beat Captain Heinrich, I'll give you a special promo. So in other words, like if you wanted to volunteer to be a Captain Heinrich, then then people – also it's a nice way to get people to join Realms Rising and they'll say, oh, challenge Jig or challenge Daily or challenge all these people. You will have to beat their character who will be like a, a level 12 thief or ranger most likely to be a pirate, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that could be another way to kind of like get more people wow. to sign up. And that, that's a potential crossover that if I have time, and I have recruits who want to do that, then uh, I will do so. But uh, basically, I, I want to see if I can fill up the event. Um, I've I've reached out to a lot of the normal, the East Coast crew, people like Meowgan and Rip, Horgel. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Marauder Mo is busy that weekend, but he may stop by. And Roser, it's in his neighborhood, so he should be there. Um, some other people have come to some other local events. Oh, so we've got a pretty so good awesome. East Coast crew. Um so this is a – it's not as ambitious as Splintered Thandar, but it's its starting to approach that with some of the uh, bringing back the role-playing elements. Sounds uh, like it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really does. And who knows, maybe, you know, Sammy is kind of in spitting distance. Maybe we can, uh, maybe we can get our own scrap force uh, to get some boots on the ground there as well. Um, yeah, just the – the ideas you have, and you mentioned recruits. Uh, I'll be happy to raise my hand and volunteer if you need one. And yep. we can also open it up to the community. I'm sure you're going to have people interested in, in if, if you do decide to go that route. So definitely keep yep. us posted and uh, share on the community with that. And I'll help uh, uh, you know advertise in any way, any, any way that we can. Man, this is, sounds so much fun. I'm sure the people listening to it as well are like, oh, man, we're, they're looking up on Google Maps right now where, where the uh, how long it's going to take to drive to, uh, to Rhode Island. But uh, this is great stuff. Uh, we're, we're getting close to our, our time limit here, Birdlaw. I don't want to keep you too long, but are there any final details, any last kind of call for actions or uh, things you want to say about Tavern Bro? No, I just hope people can make the trip to Rhode Island. I, I put it there at a, at a nice, it's a nice size convention. It's about 700 people usually typically attend. I thought it would kind of give a nice central location to pull people in from the Northeast, from New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Mass, New Hampshire. That's why I picked that as a location. It's a really friendly uh, event. And it also, 
it actually runs from it starts Friday and doesn't end till Sunday. So when I first put it in the calendar, I actually accidentally booked it at one thirty a.m. instead of one thirty p.m. And the the organizer said, "Dave, did you actually want to start Tavern Brawls at one thirty a.m.?" I said, "No, that was my <laughs> that was my blurry yeah. vision as as I as I as I pre reg as I registered the event on uh, tabletop events." But uh, it is at one thirty p.m. on Saturday, the day after Groundhog Day. So I hope we get a good showing from. Uh, friends old and new, but uh, this should be a, a, a nice event and a nice precursor until there's another Splintered Thandar, which I know uh, Marauder Mo is working on more Splintered Thandar events, which is pretty exciting as well. Um, I would also like to shout out to Dennis Gill, who's the customer experience manager at Wise Wizards Game, who's thrown his full support behind supporting this event for me, so that's super awesome. Um, that's pretty exciting. Great stuff. I think you nailed it. And uh, once again, you can find all of the details for this, both in the show notes. On You can look at it right on your iPhone. Go to the show notes. You'll find links there. Go to the Realms Rising website. Look in the community. Ask somebody. We'll make sure. It's very easy to find the info, find the sign-up link. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sure BirdLaw is very good about answering any questions as well. Any questions you might have, throw it on the Discord, and I'm sure what we'll get, we'll get people on it. Uh, this sounds like a great event. I wish you great success. I'm guessing it's going to catch on as well, just like Splintered Thandar has. And hopefully this will be a recurring thing that we can see more of in the future. I'd love to try it. This sounds just great. Uh, and thanks so much for doing this, man. This really shows, once again, like just the creative ideas, the passion, the kind of volunteer spirit, you know, putting in some time and effort into setting this stuff up, doing all the logistics. It takes time, people. It's not easy. And it's so much fun. So if this sounds interesting at all to you, don't hesitate. Look into it. Make the make the leap. Even if you've never done something like this before, these are some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. They're, they love to play games. They love to teach you how to uh, jump into the uh, event or into the game itself. And uh, don't pass it up. Don't pass up the chance, guys. Let's get into it. All right, guys. That wraps up our Tavern Brawl overview. Up next, we are going to head into... Tap it or scrap it. All right, everybody. When you hear that uh, melancholy music, you know our time together is is approaching an end. Uh, of course, it's not the end with a capital T E. Uh, but just the end of the episode. Before we do, though, we have our uh, in our long-standing tradition, and by long-standing, I think it's still under ten episodes. But tap it or scrap it is a, a little space we give ourselves to talk about something that we are pleased with or like, or something co- cool that happened to us recently, and maybe something that was not so cool or something we don't like as much. This is hence the tap or scrap. Uh, Dave, let's start out with you. What what are you tapping this week? What are you scrapping? I have two taps, if that's fair. So the first one would definitely be the uh, the level 16 arena, which again, I did not see coming with async play. That's my first tap. And my other tap, um, 
I'm a little tired this week. I'm actually drinking a mushroom elixir right now to to energize my brain. So um, my brain is powered by some lion's mane and some cordyceps mushrooms right now. Totally <laughs> legitimate. But so okay. you see a little, right. my uh, next question. Uh, right, you answered my next question. Okay. It's, I'm not sure what kind of magical mushroom <laughs> elixirs you're drinking no, over there, Dave. No, but uh, so that that's helping me. I won't. I don't want to say the name because I don't want to turn this into a uh, a podcast with ads in it. So that's uh, we, we want to keep that out. All right. Nice. And then and then hey, for scraps, I'm going to scrap podcasts with too many ads. So just too- <laughs> well, you're not scrapping us, my friends, because we have zero ads. That's right. Yes. Well, I mean, we, we plug our uh, community and, and our Patreon, by the way. Which exactly. We have to do this episode, but yeah. Yep. Yeah, nice. Well, hey, so you gave some really nice taps both to the community and Mushrooms and scraps <laughs> uh, any competing podcasts that use uh, ads. So great, great stuff there. Uh, what am I going to tap this week? Um, your Mushroom Elixir. Uh, sounds really great. I, you know, I'm also a believer in, you know, uh, there's a lot of really good natural uh, things that we can eat and drink that are good for our bodies. One thing that I've kind of been doing in the last year or so uh, is dr- in Japanese, it's called aujiru, which is uh, basically like a, a green potion. It's a, it's a it's barley a, grass or something else. It, there, there could be barley grass. The one that I've been drinking recently is basically is more kale based. It's a kale uh, and other vegetable uh, powderized uh, substance that you mix into hot water, or just normal water. And just, it's basically like a, a vegetable drink that I drink a little bit every day. And uh, I'll say like, it's, it's done wonders for me. Uh, it hasn't like totally changed my life or anything, but you feel a little more fresher. I think it lowers your blood pressure a little bit. It gets your, it, it, clean, it cleans out your system a little bit. So look, I mean, and I'm not, uh, I'm not, again, I'm not going to plug any names or anything, but find something that works well with your body. That makes you feel good. That gives you a little more energy or whatever. And you know, don't be afraid to experiment with some of that stuff. That's my tap for the week. A little uh, kale based uh, veggie powder that you can drink. Scratch. Like what am I going to, what am I going to scrap? Um, what am I going to scrap? I don't have too much to scrap. I think it's life is pretty good. I will say, uh, I will scrap the bugs and viruses that tend to go around this year. I've got yep. three kids and I think we've mm-hmm. had someone sick in my house for at least the last five weeks straight. It's been different people and it's been different types of bugs and viruses, but man, it's a I, tough time of year. It's a tough time of year to deal with stuff. So everybody stay healthy. Drink your kale. Drink your mushroom elixirs. Stay healthy. (laughs) Stay out of trouble. Uh, uh, Once again, just because I forgot to do it in the intro, I want to thank all of our patrons, all of our supporters. Uh, We have such a great community who contribute in different ways, uh, whether it's through just listening to us, whether it's uh, being an active community member, sharing your uh, proud moments, sharing your screenshots, whatever it is that you do. uh, We appreciate you. We love the community. It's what keeps us going. Thanks, guys, for everything. Uh, Birdlaw, do you have any final words for us before we, uh, we call it a night here? Uh, I will mention one other thing. Uh, Star Realms Legend, I did not do well, but the person I helped scrimmage and practice actually turned around and won Star Realms Legends and Pax Unplugged. So that was John LaBella, a.k.a. Tough, who's a community member in Realms Rising. So uh, while I failed Star Realms Legends uh, for going for double Star Realms Legends, I did actually help somebody train and, and take the win. And that was the person who actually defeated 
earlier this year for my Star Realms Legend win. So I'm uh, maybe I have some potential for coaching or, or some mentoring in, or, in or the, the mentor future. program. Yeah, talk to the, yeah, the mentor program. Yeah, yeah, maybe I should jump yeah, in there. Nice. Shout out to Tough, by the way. Also a very strong Hero Realms player. Uh, I, I've only seen that player in a few events, but they do very well. So uh, yeah. your coaching is working, my friend. All right, guys. Uh, we This might be at 75 minutes. This might be one of, if not the shortest, single episode of Sparks and Rec. But let's keep it short and sweet, guys. Uh, Birdlaw, I want to thank you for joining us. You, my friend, uh, even though it took uh, episode 48 to get here, you have a standing inv- invitation. You come back anytime you want. You let me know anytime you have something to talk about or want to join. Sparks and Rel doors are always open to you, my friend. Thank you, my friend. It's been a pleasure. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back hopefully in a couple weeks and maybe focus uh, a lot on the recent developments that are happening, both in Arena, Level 16, Level 18, all the new stuff that's happening. And stay tuned. We've got lots more coming down the pipeline for you. And in the meantime, stay fresh, cheese bags. show congratulations you're a nerd tune into the next episode of sparks and recreation for more on community events meta analysis and everything hero realms